Right when you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the city of Los Angeles, uh, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com. Typically, along with my lovely co host Carletta Cole at the Caregiver Safe Place, but she is uh, doing hair right now. <laughs> she's a hairdresser <laughs> as well and a caregiver. No, she's not a caregiver anymore. Her mother passed away. Anyway, we are also coming to you live and on demand on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms like our iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, and so many more. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60 and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Uh, those parenting adoptees to be released in March of 2023. As an adoptive mom, her research includes interviews with adoptive parents, adult adoptees, doctors, and therapists. Became this new book to encourage, educate, and equip adoptive parents as well as adult adoptees. Robin, Robin Hitt is a life and business coach and a certified Daring Way facilitator. She'll have to explain to us what that is in the work of Dr. Bren Brown and leads workshops on topics like imperfection, shame, vulnerability. She lives in Colorado with her husband and her lab, Labadoodles. <laughs> Before we get started, I want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest, Dr. Christine Van Horn author, teaching, and speeching, speeching, speaker. <laughs> and she has <clears throat> been a certified emergency manager for 30 years and recently retired. Now, just to remind you, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews, including this one on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of the other 26 global networks I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Uh, Robin, welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you on. Thank you for having me, Dave. Appreciate it. I always like to ask our guest, just who is Robin Hitt and why was she placed on this earth? <laughs> wow, that could take a while to figure that out, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of think I know a little bit now who I am. Okay. Uh, I, I'm a daughter. Uh, I am a former, a retired RN. I used to work in ICU. Wow. I quit that to raise children because my husband flew uh, for a living and somebody had to mind the store. <laughs> so I was at home with them, our adopted daughters, and um, I started seeing things, you know, that I didn't understand. So Long story short, I researched, found out a whole bunch of stuff, and wrote a book called really? Open-Eyed Adoption. Um, so that's kind of a, a synopsis. Um, you wanted to know about the Daring Way. I also am a certified Daring Way facilitator in the work of Dr. Brene Brown. And I lead workshops on topics like resilience, uh, shame, vulnerability, and wholehearted living. Wow. 
Now, for those burnout caregivers out there who are wondering how this topic has anything to do with them, um, explain why they should be interested in what you're going to talk about today. I I know what it is to care for um, loved ones. I've done it. <clears throat> I am um, I'm not working in the hospital setting anymore, but I took care of my dying mother and my dying mother-in-law. I've also oh, been in numerous um, numerous. Carletta has joined us. Thank Hi, you. Carletta. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Good to see you. You as well. Sorry, so, I'm late. Well, that's okay. So just, um, I'm coming today from a place of I've been there and the burnout in adoptive parenting as well as caregiving is Uh, pretty big. And that's kind of where I marry the two. The B word, the burnout word. Yeah. Not, not just caregivers are burned out. I mean, nurses are, are burned out, Mm -hmm. um, adoptive parents, uh, you name it. And right. in a way, adoptive parents are kind of caregivers, you know, because they're caring for a special child who, you know, maybe isn't used to. You don't know what trauma they've been through or what uh, right. previous parents had been through. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, great, great topic. So let's talk about the differences in adoptees versus biological children. Um, is there just a big difference right off the bat? That that if someone were observing uh, one or the other, they could tell who was adopted and who was not? <laughs> no, typically not. Um, and that's what catches adoptive parents off guard and by surprise. Mm. Um, when we adopted our children at birth, we were told, go make a life. They're a clean slate. There's no memory. There's no, you know imprint yet. And so you just go and build your family. And I thought, oh, great. You know, well, I found out through through years of raising them and things that they would say and do that I didn't understand what I was looking at. And after they left the home, um, it was even kind of more, um, I didn't understand what I was looking at. And I thought, I thought I would get a different outcome. So I began researching and I interviewed so many people, adoptive parents, doctors, therapists, even adult adoptees. uh, And I found out, yes, all adoptees have trauma. I didn't expect it from birth. You know, I thought, what could you have experienced, you know, but come to find out they are looking for the owner of the womb. And yeah. when they don't find that owner, they're, you know, they're uh, put off, they're off their center. And um, I'm telling them I'm your mother and they're right away. It sets up a mistrust yeah. that totally blew my mind uh, because I was in a hundred percent, never lied to them. Um I parented like I was parented, lots of love and, and opportunity, affection, and and telling them often how much we love them. And I just didn't understand why I was getting the outcomes that I was. So, yes, I, I know some people disagree with me, but I'm going to say boldly that all adoptees have trauma. Well, you know, and it's like the, the animal world, right? If if Bambi's mother gets uh, <laughs> shot uh, right. and, and you know, you try to be the mother, it's just not the same thing. And in the elephant world and in the, 
the bird world. Uh, any comments on that, Carletta? You have any experience well, with adoption? The it, it, I don't have any experience with adoption, but I do have experience with having a stepfather. Uh, and it's the same thing where you grow up and you're thinking, oh, this is my dad, my bio- biological dad. And then when you get to an age of understanding, which is about eight or nine, you know, someone comes out and say, well, it's not really your dad, but it's your dad. You know, and now you're on the search because you're like, well, who who do I look like? You know, well, when I throw these tantrums, are these tantrums coming from my father's side? You know, because my stepdad is really calm. You know, what? Where do I come from? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, I mean, not me personally, but I did have a stepdad and my, I knew my stepdad was my stepdad, but it didn't matter to me. But when you tell these people or kids that, you know, you are their biological or you are their, their parent, they don't distinguish between biological and a loving mother. Right. And and, you 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 bring up a good point, Carletta, because at what point do we tell the child that they're adopted. Some parents uh, are waiting into their teen years before they mention. My my mentor, Clint Arthur, he wasn't told until after he graduated uh, college. Yikes. And, and uh, you know, he thought he'd go That's home and get the attaboys, and then they got into this big fight, and, and he's, uh, the father just left and slammed the door, and he says, gee, Mom, the, the way Dad treats you, it's like you were cheating on him. And he realized, <laughs> did I really just say that? And but then she didn't answer him and says, he's not your real father. He oh, says, my goodness. Says, your real father is, oh. uh, worked at the fertility clinic who uh, helped us get, uh, you know. Wow. And so uh, when is a good time? You know, and I'm, I'm a stepfather. Well, I married my wife and she had a five-year-old and 10-year-old. And I just took him on as my own. And the older one bonded with me very well because I was Prince Charming rescuing them from the from the you know big big bad wolf uh, the other father and the middle one I was a threat because well, mm-hmm. where's my wonderful dad who's such a mm-hmm. wonderful person which you know she didn't know she was too young mm-hmm. but uh, and she never really bonded and mm-hmm. became a problem child you know mm-hmm. yeah I think in answer to your question about when's the best time to tell him uh, yesterday I mean as <laughs> soon as possible really they're not. Be- too young ever because well here's the thing here's the thing i write about it in the book and and it's um we used to get care packages from their birth moms to our home full of gifts for them and a lot a letter sometimes and even though they didn't know them um (laughs) we were instructed by the agency to say i said what am i going to say when these gifts come in the mail like this is weird you know and she said, tell them this is from the lady who you grew in her tummy. <laughs> and I was like, okay, terrible English. And, you know, but kind of weird. <laughs> but I literally, I literally said that to them and they acted like, oh, they never said what, what, what is that? They never, ever acted like it was weird. And I thought that's weird. So that was one thing that I was like, really, you know, intuitively that you came from someone else and that's from them. And that was kind of my number one thing, like head scratcher, you know? So yes. think Think about this. Think about the fact that at three years old, 
you re, your memory bank starts to add up. So if you your right. memory bank adds up at three years old, imagine how much knowledge you know you can hold and understanding yes. of things you can hold at three years old. Mm-hmm. You know, so and yeah, I think right. I think right. even in a babe in arms has memory. Um, <clears throat> well, at least in the subconscious, because they say our subconscious has permanently recorded everything that's ever happened to them from the womb. They, there you they, go. they can hear, they can understand. I have a two-year-old great-granddaughter, and uh, I'm amazed at how uh, her the progress of her, uh, gaining the language, you know. It's like she knows the words, and she's trying to speak them, and we can't understand them because she can't pronounce them properly. Right. But it's like she just... She knows what she wants. She knows what she's saying, and we don't get it. Right. And it's like, oh, wow! It's like the the language is already developed in her in her head. It's like true. My, my wife, you know, who had a stroke and knows what she wants to say, but it just won't come out. Right. 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 And that's that's the whole thing about yeah. um, they know they know they came from somewhere else. They don't know where that person is. They're frustrated at times and they act out for no reason you you never know what you did or said it's not about you and yeah. and, and they they don't they can't articulate it's just what you said they know something happened there was a switcheroo but they can't articulate so when you're telling them i'm your mom it sets up a mistrust because yeah. they know something somebody else was there first yeah um, so what do you know the t- statistics of how many kids are adopted or how many parents have well, adopted kids? Uh, not exactly, but there is uh, a statistic that Adoption Network put out that currently in the U.S. there are 100 million Americans affected by adoption or impacted by adoption oh. in their immediate families. And so that could be the birth parents, the, yeah. you know, so it's just like caregivers, about a third of America about are a caregivers third. and about a third are adopted. So chances are a third of the listeners here either uh, are adopted or have adopted kids or, or know people. Yes. And Very I've never heard anyone chance. with your opinion about, you know, telling them uh, yesterday that uh, <laughs> they came in from somebody else's womb. That's in an in an attempt to establish trust. Yeah. You know, I don't want I never wanted to lie and I didn't. I never wanted to, you know, kind of fake them out. And because I knew intuitively, even though I didn't know a lot when we adopted, I knew that trust was huge. And turns out it is Mm -hmm. Uh, your your job is to. I'm I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's just, your your job is to form attachment and establish trust. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And and with that, it's almost like you want to just say, "Hey, I'm I'm your second mommy," you know, or I mean, I don't know. I'm your care. I'm I'm your caregiver. I don't, I don't know at this point, you know, but. It, it will never mm. stop them from grieving the loss of their mom. Or That's their a very good point, Carletta. I, I don't think I would say I'm your, you know, I'm your caregiver because you want, you want the family, you know, you want to establish your family mm. culture and values and all that. But to say and acknowledge you came from somewhere else, we honor them. Yes, we we honor them for their decision 
to um, because they couldn't take care of you, it doesn't mean they don't love you. Um, and so older, the older they get, you know, we offered to help facilitate them meeting at one point. But the grief is is very real in the child. And especially as they grow, at first, they're kind of like, you know, if you're going to feed me, okay, you know, or, or I mean, I'm talking about an infant. And if you adopt a child that's been elsewhere, like, you know, two, three, four, five and up, um, you know, they've been somewhere else. So you, you know that, okay, they've been through something and, but, but the grief that they feel is an ambiguous loss. And by that, I mean, what could have been, what might've been, um, maybe even what should have been. What did I do wrong? It was, it sets up that rejection. Yes. Uh, and I've, that abandonment. Yes. I, oh, yes. I've always, Dick. I've always heard that um, that adopted. You tell your child who's adopted that they're very special because you know um, we don't have control over who God puts in our womb. You know, right, right. And, and uh, you know, sometimes we wouldn't necessarily choose that child. <laughs> right. But we chose <laughs> you. You know, we we knew what we were getting when we chose you uh, in natural birth. You never know what you're getting, you know. And the Bible is a great uh, analogy of uh, adoption because really, you know, we were adopted into God's family. He chose us. Right. And Mm -hmm. uh, so we're very, very special. Yes. Yes, we did use that narrative to a degree. Um, You never know what you're getting (laughs) when you open a gift um you never know what's inside you know until you open child you never know exactly yeah but i could always say we deeply wanted you and still do let's talk about shame shame. go ahead carlina so how are how are they now like are they still in touch with you do they oh yes i mean i've always wanted to know that like how do they have they reached out to their biological parents and you know, how does that work after they become adults? It works like the kid wants it to work is what it, how it does. <laughs> if they don't want to meet, they don't. Um, we have encouraged ours to reach out and meet their birth moms. We've met both of their birth moms so far. Um, they're ages 32 and 29 right now, and they've not wanted to do that. Um, I think, and when I've interviewed other adoptive kids, you know, adults, they say the the thing that I fear most is that she'll want more than I can give. That's the number one fear in all adults. Uh, I mean, adoptees, you know, they're, they're curious, but they're like, eh, I don't know. I'm barely making it myself with all my relationships. I'm afraid that it's going to really wreck my life. You know, they're going to expect so much. But honestly, I feel, and and again, I've told both of them, and yes, we are close, um, but I've told both of them, it's your call. I do think it would really help fill in some gaps um, if you can get to that place. But I also, having said that, feel like it's their call. It's their readiness. You know, it's it's nothing that people should be pushed into. 
into doing. Okay. Talk about shame and guilt and, you know, how does that play a part in, in this? Yes. Okay. So shame and guilt are a part of life, right? And the difference in in shame and guilt is guilt says I did something bad and shame said I am intrinsically bad. Mm-hmm. Now, how are you going to fix shame? Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you feel like I am bad, um, it's really hard to overcome that. If you do something bad, you can make amends, you can write it, you can pay, you can do whatever, you know, apologize. But if you if you feel like I am bad, it's really hard to come back from that. And so um, this this happens. Shame happens in the birth mom for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, they feel shame about getting pregnant when they weren't ready for a child, they feel shame about giving their children, you know, releasing them for adoption. They feel shame for their whole lives. Many times I've talked to many birth moms and, Mm. you know, years and years later, they feel that way. The child feels shame because something is intrinsically wrong with me or they wouldn't have given me up. You know, that's their narrative. That's like talky all the time telling their, their heart that, so they carry shame. The adoptive parents feel shame because they gave everything they had and didn't get the expected outcome. You know, thinking like one expected outcome would be, oh, my children, um, they don't need any, any other person. They're happily, uh, well adjusted people. And they're just so thrilled to be a part of our family that they don't need anybody else. Well, okay, you know, so, but what happens is the adoptive parent feels shame for that. Like I should have done a better job. It was, must've been something, you know, about me that, that couldn't come up to the bar. Well, the, the way we handle guilt is kind of obvious. You know, if I did something bad, I make amends however I can. But if I am bad, if I believe I am bad, what are we going to do? Well, fortunately, there's remedy. Um, empathy and self-compassion are the are the remedies to that. Um, and I talk about self-compassion, you know, even with caregiving, I know that's what you you guys talk about most on the show. And caregiving is, you know, you can have shame there there too, because you feel like I'm not I'm not doing it well enough or I'm really angry at this person, you know, I mean, it could be, it's infinite, right? The reasons that we can come to shame, but self-compassion is part of that is acknowledging our own humanity and, and giving ourselves permission to have a bad day or to feel down or to be tired or even exhausted. Um, But self-compassion is a little different than self-care. You talked about sending people to Acapulco or (laughs) Mexico or somewhere to just sort of, you know, have the day, or maybe somebody like me would go get a massage. Okay. That's self-care. You know, maybe a cappuccino is self-care or a glass of wine, but self-compassion is more like what we feel about us as we're going through life. So, Self-compassion might be to say, I've had a really rough day today. Um, I, I do love this person. 
I'm doing the best I can. And, and even tell yourself, I love you. Um, that's a weird concept, you know, for a lot of us, but what we love ourselves. But if you, if you don't love yourself, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. So it's that whole thing about, you know, put your oxygen mask on first so you can help someone else. That's why self-compassion is so important. And then another uh, way to combat shame is empathy. And that is we just need to phone a friend (laughs) sometimes. It just sort of go, can I just unload for a little bit? Um, You don't do that with just anybody. You, You pick somebody who's earned the right to hear your story and you know, they've walked with you a little ways and they they believe the best about you and they want the best for you. That's who you who you um, choose to share your yeah. burdens with. I'm thinking it must be very traumatic for a parent, a step parent, when their child starts asking questions. Well, can I meet my mother or, you know, can we look her up? And like you said, all of a sudden, you mean I wasn't enough? You want yeah. more? You know, what if you, what, and then they're thinking, what if you love them better than me? And what if you oh, yeah. been with them or whatever, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that yeah. goes into play as well. And we have to check our own expectations at the door. Um, and we have to realize this is them working out their ambiguous loss or trauma or both. <clears throat> And it's not that, you know, we can love a lot of people and that doesn't take away. Like, I love my mother. I love my father. I love my kids used to say, you know, which one's your favorite? And I say, well, which arm do you like the best? (laughs) Your left or your right, you know? And so we can love a lot of people without unloving someone else, you know, our hearts just grow with, with love. And that's what, I have come to see, you know, even if they someday do decide to to connect with their birth moms, and I hope they will, um, I've already decided, you know, it's okay and even probably beneficial for them to love them. Um, and so, but, but that's sort of a growing into the thing because I wasn't always there. I did feel kind of threatened by it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're we're out of time. Is oh, there any that last? went fast. I know it goes fast <laughs> when you're having fun. Um, <laughs> why don't you tell us uh, what you were hoping to cover that we didn't cover, and then how to get a hold of you and how to get your book and all of that stuff? Yes, um, I think you know the biggest takeaway is just that um, all adoptees have trauma and we all have to care for ourselves so that we can do our best. We can show up our best for others. Um, there's burnout in every field and, uh, COVID didn't help that. Right. (laughs) So, you know, I think, I think just, uh, even forgiveness is a huge, uh, part of all of this, uh, forgiveness of self, forgiveness of others. And so, so that we can be freed up you know, to live our best life. Um, so my book is Open Eyed Adoption, Real Help for Those Parenting Adoptees. And it is um, on Barnes & Noble uh, right now for pre-order. And it comes out March 7th of this next year. And I'm at robinhit.com. It's R-O-B-I-N-H-I-T-T. 
com. That's great. And uh, I want to remind everybody that all our live shows become recorded pod and video casts on your favorite platforms. And my newly released book, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times, is changing lives all over the world, and it's available wherever books are sold, and also on my free membership website, caregiverdave.com. And join my caregiver Facebook community of 34,000 caregivers on Facebook, and you'll learn all about our new Acapulco Villa Caregiver Wellness Vacation I'm offering to burned-out caregivers to keep as many of those 30% of caregivers who die before their loved ones alive. Mm. Mm. And uh, Carletta does something very similar. She helps caregivers um, get a replacement for the day or for the mm-hmm. week or however long. Yeah. Go ahead and tell them briefly what you do, Carletta. Uh, well, you can follow me on Caregiver Safe Place on Facebook, Instagram. I am a uh, caregiver uh, respite. Uh, donation person for uh, family caregivers. Yeah. And if you click the like or follow button on whatever platform you're watching or listening to this interview on, it helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google search engine algorithms. So thank you all my listeners out there all over the world for tuning in every Wednesday, making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. So until next week, same time, same channel. May God richly bless you all. Bye-bye. I'm Dave Nassani. My fourth book, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times, is a number one bestseller on Amazon. As a young boy, I was told I possessed an unusual amount of wisdom for my age. As a young man, I found myself counseling friends and older family members whenever they needed answers to their problems. Then at 21, I read the Bible for the very first time and learned how King Solomon asked God for wisdom instead of riches, yet he received both. I was so impressed that I too asked God for wisdom. Soon after, I discovered when lying on my hammock, I would receive wisdom from God. This book is the result of my passion to share with the world wisdom's tremendous benefits. Join me as I reveal practical aspects of wisdom for the mind, body, and spirit. 31 lessons I learned from God that can change your life. Available in hardcover, audible, Kindle, and paperback, wherever books are sold. I've spoken all over the country and London, and am available to speak at your event. Contact me at hammockwisdom.com. Like the sun will never rise Like the birds will never sing